Well, again, welcome uh, to our service today, and excited to be with you. Um, always consider a time of standing before you and preaching God's word, um, an honor, um, and humbling, humbling. Um, once again, I forgot my, I cannot find my glasses, so you all look great. Yes, they are the seat I didn't look in. Oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> Spoiled, what? Oh, now I really, no, you all, no. So let it the record be. Shown, I love my mother-in-law. Amen, amen. All right, uh, Colossians chapter 3, as I told you, I uh, just felt led to make our way at least through this uh, chapter, chapter 3. Um, don't really know if we'll venture on into chapter 4. As I told you, I'm not, we are preaching expositionally through this book, but not necessarily every verse in this book, just trying to drive home this theme, spending January, which our theme is being rooted in Christ, and just trying to really grab a hold of that uh, um, through uh, this letter to the church at Colossae. Um, so we're getting into February, so we're going to bring, so bring this down to a close. But we are going to um, preach the remainder part of chapter 3. Uh, we'll look at verses 12 through verse 17 today, and Lord willing... Uh, we will be uh, looking at the remainder section in verse 18 through verse 25. So uh, just letting the Lord lead through this um, and have his way with what he wants to be preached through this book. So um, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 through verse 17. That's what we're going to read. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. <clears throat> and we'll begin here. And, and of course, he really segues into it, this, this new thought about the new man back into verse 10. Uh, but our last sermon went down to verse 11. Uh, so let's pick up in verse 12. And so Paul is writing here. Remember, he is writing from prison. He is not well. He is, he is sick. He is uh, waiting on judgment um, from, um, uh, from a tyrant of a king. And so, uh, but he is joyed to be able to write this letter to this, uh, these group of believers. Verse 12, put on therefore... Okay, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, uh, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity... We know that word is love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And we'll stop in verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let's pray. Father, we um, are just joyed to be able to gather once again and worship You. Father, we are, you know, I know I am, I'm, I'm assuming everyone that is here, um, if they're not, I pray they would learn to be just overwhelmed by your faithful love toward us. Our love is directed to you because the scriptures tell us you first loved us, and we are thankful. But Father, we're not just here because of the things you do, that you have done for us or do for us. It's not about us, but Father, it's about the glory that you deserve. It's about to you. It's about, about you. And I pray today that we will just bring ourselves to that point of saying, Lord, search me, know me. What, need, what do I need to repent from? What, do, what needs to be added to my life? What do I need to rededicate my life to? And some need to be asking the question, am I born again? If I died right now, would, would heaven be my home? If there's no assurance, I pray today they would not leave this place until they have assurance. Because we know the Bible tells us that we can know we are saved. And thank you for that assurance through your spirit. Father, I ask you just to be with me. Uh, guide me. Uh, help me to be true and honest with the text. And help me to disappear from the stage that only you are heard today. I pray all this in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Rooted to live differently. Now, we're not talking about living differently in the sense as the culture would want us to uh, live a certain way. There are certain things that the message of the culture would be, here are some different ways that people may live, you know, according to their own nature. You just need to accept those differences. I'm not talking about accepting that kind of difference. I'm talking about being rooted to live differently. Difference in the sense of embodying the nature of my Savior. That's the difference we sh that should be seen in our life. We should not be worshiping the difference my flesh would like me to live according to. We need to be clinging to the difference uh, that Christ wants to conform us to. The difference that would align with the person of Jesus. Okay, That's the difference we need to be. That's the kind of difference that the world needs. All right, that's, that's the difference the Spirit's always, is always speaking to your heart. Live differently. Live not, not that way, but follow me. Follow me. Walk in, walk in my Spirit. And so when we come to worship, you know, as, as the saying is, I've heard this phrase many times, we don't come to sit and soak and sour. We come to sit and soak and serve. All right? And one of the senses of which we serve is to live like Jesus. All right, going out into the world and living differently according to our Savior. And of course, we would take service into serving through the local church as well. But as you'll look here, leading off in chapter, or, uh, excuse me, in verse 12, it says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And when you come to such a phrase, when it talks about as the elect of God, or it could also be said as the chosen of God, chosen for what? 
for what purpose? And when you look up this word elector chosen, that is the definition. It's chosen for a purpose. What is a purpose? What is the purpose? The purpose is here that in Christ you are to live differently. That's what you are chosen to do. In Christ is always the key as the book of Ephesians tells us. We are chosen in him. Chosen for what? To do this and not to live this way. Live according to him. Follow him this way. And so that's what it's getting at here. There is a purpose For you in Christ, and it is to put to death of the old way and to live according to the new way that the Holy Spirit leads us to. Okay? So let me make a a few things, and I'll give you the flow of the message today, and then we'll, we'll dig in. If you're saved today, you know that you're born again. You've repented of unbelief. You put your faith and trust in Christ. You've confessed Him as Savior and Lord. If you know that and you're sure of your salvation, say amen. All right, amen. That's great. Now, if you've received his life, that's what it means to be saved. You received the life, new life from him. Then you have taken on his purposes for that new life. You had your life. You had old purposes, your purposes. But now you've been given the new life. He's the offer. He's the creator of that life. And so in sense as well, you've taken on his purposes for that life. That happened the moment you got saved. But we spend the rest of our lives learning Continue learning and soaking in those purposes and ways that he would have us to live as his children. Now what you're going to find here, it's interesting, in verse 12 through verse 17, Paul is taking these believers at Colossae in a pattern of thought. Now sometimes when we start in a pattern of thought, we're going to start at the beginning and head toward the end. Paul is actually starting more toward at the end and going backwards. All right, And you're going to see that flow. Let me give you the flow of this. So as you look at verse 12 and going through the text, you'll find this living out of the characteristics of Jesus. So the fruit, the branches, the fruit, all right, you're you're, you're living out. But then it comes on going from the outward to the inward, okay? So the the fruit, what the branches do, that's the goal as a Christian, be fruit bearers. But there's got to be the right things happening in on the inside for that fruit to be what it needs to be. So now it goes inwardly. And you'll find that he wants you to allow the benefits of Christ to rule in you. To be king of the inner man. Nothing else should have the throne of your inner man but the riches that Christ has given you. And Paul gives those to us. Then he goes on to say, learn from his word. Allow it to take residence in you. So you see this backward approach. The goal, how we get to the goal, the inward working, what needs to rule in your heart... And we learn from what needs to be ruled in our heart from reading the Word of God and letting it take residence and dwell in us. So God, God, uh, Paul gives this beautiful picture. And then he also adds to that that we take counsel to one another as well uh, through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts. Beautiful passage of Scripture. Excited to go through it with you this morning. So let's, let's dig in, okay? So if you're taking notes, number one, I want you to see the authentic Christian clothing. All right? Clothing that's authentic. We're not talking about fake stuff. We're not talking about, uh, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, if it's not genuine, imitation. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Is that that's what you said, right? Imitation, yeah. So uh, it's, it's none of those things. We're talking about authentic Christian clothing. So let's, let's look here, all right? Um, in verse 12 through verse 14, that's what we're going to dive into in this point. But uh, put on, what's the next word? Therefore. Now, what's the therefore, therefore? What you need to ask the question you need to ask. Why is it there? 
remember what he said back in verse 10. Um, the new man's been created, belongs to him, all right? And then we also learn that Christ is in all, uh, excuse me, Christ, um, Christ is all and in all. So he, there is, with, we find here that it's with, without exception and without distinction, Christ saves the Jew and the Gentile. He indwells both. doesn't matter where you're from, what you look like, what language you speak. He is in you. So uh, we understand that. So because of that, his ownership and, his, and, his, and him being in you through his spirit, because of that, there are some things we need to put on. There's a change of wardrobe. And he tells us what these are. Putting on means putting on the characteristics of Jesus. Okay? And um, I'm going to sort of rapid fire these. So, and I'll have uh, at least one or two verses per, per characteristic here. But just uh, hang with me. He says, put on as chosen for a purpose, elect of God, holy and beloved. We notice, first of all, bowels of mercy. And we could also say, we also are probably familiar with the word of compassion. That's what that means. Compassion. Put on compassion. Matthew, talking about Christ, Matthew 9 and verse 36 reads this. But when he, which is Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. You all read your Bibles. That's great. On them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Notice the purpose of compassion is to be directed toward people. And Christ exemplified that. All right? He, he is um, these characteristics. There was no clothing for him to put on. This is who he was. This was the nature of Christ, the nature of compassion. And he says when he looked on them, he had compassion. So let me just encourage you. You're not to be someone that just looks at the sidewalk when you walk past people. You know, you're not to just walk, pe- walk past people and not notice them. We need to see people and have compassion on people. And of course, the, you know, the main drive sense of this here is the gospel. They need a Savior, first and foremost. But then oftentimes, the way we get an open door to show the gospel is have compassion on a particular need they may have. I talked to somebody the other day, I won't mention her name, but it mentioned that God was just dealing with her about a need. Didn't know there was a need, but just this person kept coming to their mind and coming to their mind. And they just followed through with how they wanted to show compassion. And then, and then long story short, they needed that. Maybe you all have done something like that. But you need to be in tune with the Spirit. This clothing needs to be put on. It needs to be active in your life. It doesn't just need to be something intellectually you know. It needs to be something that you do. That's what Paul is saying. Put on. And when you put on clothing, you're going somewhere, right? You're going to be seen with the clothes.
with good will. Does that not ring in your mind some Christmas passages? Peace on earth and what? Toward who? Men. All men. That's what forgiveness is. Christ came. Good will has come to the earth. And he came to a people who was not, was not worthy of forgiveness, was not asking for forgiveness, but he came with good will. So here's your challenge of putting this clothing on. You go ready to forgive. You go with this good will in mind toward men. Forgiving. Forgiving. The good will one has toward a person. Everyone here today should have good will toward each other. Regardless of how it's received or what they've done to you in the past. That's, the, that's what this clothing is. All right? You need the Spirit's help to get this done, by the way. You won't do this in and of yourself. You won't want to, for one. But if you care about giving glory to God, setting well on Judgment Day, and Him being pleased with you, you'll say, Lord, dress me. Dress me. But notice this. You've got all these clothing, but he says, now listen, I'm going to give you something else. It's going to, it's going to knit all these together. It's going to be the... It's going to be this bond. You need a bonding agent for all of these pieces of clothing, and it's called charity. It's the bond of perfectness or bond of perfection put on love. In other words, the love of Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. This love comes from the very nature of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. This love, these things didn't come off a shelf in his closet somewhere. These things came, came from him. And he lives in you. So this is something that can be and should be done in your life. This love is the very bonding agent to keep all these clothes on. Now, I want to tell you something. Because people that you give these things to, you put these clothes on, you act a certain way toward people, they're going to give you a reason to start taking clothes off. I'm tired. I'm done with it. I'm just, you know, they don't care. They don't, you know, I get no gratitude you know, living this way. I'm just, but I need you, I need you to put love on I need you to put my love on. That the, my love toward you, and keep that in your mind, that final piece of clothing is going to keep all the rest of them on. That if you love Jesus, he said, if you love me, keep what? My commandments. Love is the fulfilling of the law, and love is that, is that final garment, if you will, to keep all the others on. Now let me just mention this. The bond of perfection. Listen to the sense of this word. A connection based on kinship or marriage or common interest understood as something that fastens various parts together, almost like a ship, right? All these working parts, everything's fastened together. There's a bonding angel. Because what you're going to notice here, let me ask you a question. Why would God think that we need such a strong bonding agent to keep all of these pieces of clothes on us? Why? Well, remember what I told you last week? God's goal is to bring you to perfection. It never changes. It's always to bring you to perfection. That's his goal. All right? And see his perfect, be you perfect, and these clothing, it's, it's a part of getting you there. But notice as you read here, all right? Notice this. And above, verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of, of, of perfect, perfectness, okay? And let the people, now I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I want to get to verse 15. 
And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. So, so what he's following here is this. Individually, hey, you, every one of you that are children of God, you need to keep these clothing on. But you're going to have to put love on. You're going to have to keep my love toward you in mind and heart to keep all of these characteristics thriving in your life. But listen, it's not just individually is the goal. It's also bringing it corporately. How the clothing that you wear individually is the, is the kind of clothing we wear corporately. Does that make sense? And so he's like, I want my church to be pure and spotless and, 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 and thriving and doing kingdom work and, and unified. You won't do it without these clothing. You won't do it. You won't get it done. And love has to be the bonding agent because it's not just individually, but it's corporately. That's, that's the flow here. Okay? And you look back at chapter 2 and verse 19. You get, you, this driving thought there is you need to be a unified body. And love is what unifies us and allows us to continue continue keeping these pieces of clothing on. Now, secondly, we see authentic Christian clothing. We also see uh, authentic Christian authority. Authority. Um, people don't like authority a lot of times. But dear friend, Christ is our authority. Okay? But notice, notice some things here that is to be our authority that comes from God. Okay. Why do we need to continue with this clothing? Well, there's some authority here. He says in verse 15 and 16, And let the peace of God, what? And whose heart? Or you could say, my heart, right? He's talking to you, right? Your heart. We could say, he's talking about my heart. So he's saying, let the peace of God. Hey, I know we may not like doing this, but you got to make a decision. Let the the peace of God rule in your heart. That means Paul is saying, hey, dear believers at Colossae, you have got to take action here. The peace is available, but you've got to let it rule. The nature of peace doesn't change, the peace that comes from him. But how it impacts you, you've got to let it rule. And it will do a beautiful work in your life. Now let me give you some, let me give you, let me nerd out again, but you're going to, I think you'll be benef benefited from this. Peace. What does this word peace mean? Well, tranquility. Notice this. The absence, you'll want this, by the way. The absence of mental stress or anxiety. Anybody want it? Especially that results from a proper recognition of salvation's worth. Okay? The peace of God ruling your heart. Tells me that if I, if I want to keep the peace of God ruling, I cannot lose sight of Calvary. I cannot lose sight of Christ. I cannot lose sight of his, his, the, his gospel that has saved me, keeps me saved. And, and because of that, going to deliver me. His salvation is always working in our life. The peace of God, let it rule. And so our, our hearts must be set on the word of salvation. So let it, and, and so it says hearts. I'm going to go, go back to the rule part in just a minute. But hearts, what does that mean? In his location of a person's thought or his mind, his place of volition, emotion, and knowledge of right from wrong, conscious, understood as the heart. So you understand what he's talking about there. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. So where your decisions are being made, where your, your, your volition, your choices, okay? Because those things need to be ruled by his peace. Now notice what the... The word rule, let rule. Rule means this. It means to factor decisively 
And if, and if Christianity needs to get a, hold of, get, get a hold of something, they need to get a hold of this. Notice what this means. To be the factor determining an outcome. Let that soak in for a second. A Christian can be a dangerous person in their decision making. The peace of God's not ruling in their heart. That, that's what he's building here. Let the peace of God rule. The peace of God needs to be the determining factor in outcomes. How you respond, what you do, how you, how you lead your families, your actions, your, your responses, your emotions, your words. Let the peace of God rule. So before I make a decision or a response or lead my family, I need to make sure the peace of God is ruling the outcome that's going to that's come about. The peace of God is important. Some of us make decisions going about our life, and we don't let this important uh, characteristic, this important attribute he's giving us rule in our hearts. These people were anxious about following what is the real true, true revelation of God. That's what the Colossae believers were anxious about. Because they had all these different new knowledge, mystical knowledge, new revelation these, these people were bringing to them. And they were anxious. Like, we just don't know. We're getting to a point we just... We don't know what's right and wrong. And they were getting anxious. And he said, Paul said, listen, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And you won't be anxious about these other things because you'll know that they're not true. You'll follow God. You'll be at peace. You all come to decisions, crossroads in your life, don't you? Does it not bring a little bit of, at least a little bit of anxiety sometimes? What do I do? You ever ask that question? What do I do here? If you're not careful, anxiety will lead to worry. We don't want to get to worry. Okay? That's usually the flow of that. We get anxious and then we start worrying. Paul said, I have the answer for you. Let the peace of God rule. God, give me a peace about what to do. And you know what he'll do? He'll give it to you. But you have to let that, once he gives it to you, guess who rules? peace he gave you. Sometimes the peace that he gives you maybe not be the direction you want to go. Like, I don't know if I want to go that way, but that's where the peace of God is leading, but I don't know. Hey, Paul said, let it rule. Let it rule. And he says, called in one body. This is individually going to corporately, talking about the church. And I, I, I'm, I'm hurrying. This right here was a reality check for me. It used to be a reality check for you. He said, you're called into one body. I'm afraid sometimes, and I may start pastoring here. So I may do a little pastoring for just a second. How many of you treat God's call to Christian character or whatever else he may be calling you toward in obedience? How many of you sometimes treat that as just a simple party invitation? You ever get a party invitation? Here, here's, here's the save the date. Well, I don't, I'll put it on my fridge, but I don't know if I'll go. You know, I may make it. I don't know if I'll get to go or whatever. So you're always fumbling around. Am I going to get to go? You know, whatever. That's not what this is. When Christ is calling you to be obedient, it's not a, a, a flimsy invitation. It is a summons from a king. Your king. The king of heaven. When's the last time you considered the obedience God calls you to as a summons from a king? 
there is no question whether you're going to come to his courtroom and, and participate. You know, if a king, if a, if, a, if, a, if a physical king on earth summons you, you're going. If they have to come and, 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 and put you in handcuffs and drag you to the you're going. You are summoned by the king. But it shouldn't be quite like that as a Christian. There's no handcuffs. What should drive you to follow the summons of your king is the love of Christ. It goes back to the peace of God to rule in your heart. Do you not see the flow that Paul's bringing to your attention? There is a summons from the king of heaven, the king of your soul. And it should, it should have to twist your arm if you truly are born again. You say, yes, I'm going. I'm not going to put my shoes on. I'm just going. I want to get there. I want the peace of God to rule in my heart. I want to serve him. I want to be obedient. Whatever it is, if I need to forgive, if I need to be meek, if I need to serve to the church in a particular way, hey, I'm going to my king because he rules me. Rooted in Christ. Means Christ rules my life. Sadly, sometimes, and from a pastor, sometimes that's not seen. But the world needs Christians who serves their king. That's what we need. He says, you know, if you want to get to this point. You also, it says, you got to be thankful. You do all this, but do it with thanksgiving. So if you're spending time being thankful, what are you not spending time doing? Being unthankful. You know, thanksgiving of something really is a lot of times a great motivation and fuel to keep going. Being thankful, being thankful, being thankful for God and what he's done. He gets into this verse 16 and, and going through these the, the motivations for this new man and this clothing and, and following the summons of our king, this non-optional summons. We are to go to him. And he says, hey, everybody needs each other's help to live this way. Put this clothing on and treat God finally as the king of your life. you got to help each other. And here's a caveat. If you don't get together, you can't help one another. All right? So we need more time with each other because he unpacks it here. Notice this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. All right? Let, here we go. Let the word of God. You've got to let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. What does wisdom mean? It means the trait of utilizing knowledge and experience with common sense and insight. You know, God's very plain spoken. And what you need, what you should be doing, and all of his promises, all about him. He's clear. And he says, take that knowledge and put it into practice. That, that's what you go from knowledge to wisdom. Taking the knowledge, using common sense God's given you, and put it into play. Because the king said so. Right? He said, let it dwell. Let it take up residence in you. Let it... Someone, I, I pray no one reserves just a little... Ooh, I'm going to step off there. Maybe you have one in your home, a guest room. Just if anybody stops by, right? Or, you know, it's a place for someone just to have residence in your home. When it comes to the inner you, there are no spare rooms. There is no guest room 
there is a room for the king. That is it. It says, let the word of God dwell, take up residence. It's his home. You're a temple. This is a house for God to dwell. His word is the only one who should reside here. Don't have a spare room for the devil. Don't have a spare room for the, your lust and your flesh and other ways of living. It's the word of God that dwells in you. It's his house. No one else's. That's what Paul's saying here. Being rooted in Christ. That's what he's talking about. Now, if you notice here, that the sense of the flow of this verse 16 is this. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But if you notice this, and I won't get technical here, but he's saying let the word of, God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom as you're teaching, as teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, I'll pump the brakes for a second. What in the world is a psalm? Well, they're in the Bible, right? They're God's gift to the church. Psalms, psalms, the sacred songs God has given to us to praise Him. Maybe we don't sing enough of the psalms. There's some psalms that's put to music, and they're beautiful. Why? Because of the words that God has given us to sing back to Him. Maybe we need to think about that a little bit more in our worship. Hymns, what's a hymn? A musical composition with words of religious na nature praising God. What spiritual songs? Spiritual songs deal with spiritual maturity um, characterized by the Holy Spirit, especially of the mature Christian life as it's a relation to the Spirit. Spiritual songs. All about praising God and leading us to maturity. Right? You need all of these things right here to get to that final goal of bearing the fruit that the world needs. And that's what all Paul is saying here. Because we come to this very final verse, and I'm done, in verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And it's not saying do whatever you want to do and just put Jesus' name on it. It's good. It's not what he's saying. He's told you what to do. And as you follow the summons of your king, whatever you're doing, whatever your king's called you to, whatever your, your king's leading you to, whatever you do in word or deed as you follow your king, give praise to God. That's what he's saying. This isn't just some kind of freelance, do whatever I want, just tag Jesus' name on it, make it holy. We have no authority to do that. God says, I know how to be, I know the praise that I need, deserve. I know the work that pleases me, and I'm letting you know what those things are. Can I tell you something? That is a blessing from God. Wouldn't it be a detriment to have a God, you know, the God of heaven, and never know really how to please him? Really know how to worship him or praise him or give him thanks for all that he's done. And we're all just guessing. The guesswork is cut out. We know how to praise Him. We know how to serve Him. We know how to be a church and unified. And we have all of this knowledge, but are we being wise with it? Folks, that's why we need to be rooted in Christ. Because God deserves the glory. It's about Him. It's about Him. As we stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Ever so quietly. Appreciate your attention this morning. I don't know how God has dealt with you. How God's working in your heart this morning. But all I'm asking you to do is to be obedient to him. 
Is there a rededication that you need to make? Is there a following scriptural baptism? Is there? I, I, I don't know. Maybe you've never been saved, and you need to you need to cry out to Christ, repent, and confess a believing faith in Jesus. I don't know where you are, but Christ is dealing with you, no doubt. But I'm asking you one final question. What will you do with Christ today? What will you do with Christ? And I'm going to pray and then we're, we're going to... Um, I'm going to go ahead and ask Ms. R if you just play softly, please. I just want to give